Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. So every once in a while you come across a story that is so remarkable, you're like the world just needs to hear it. Today is one of those stories, and we started yesterday. And if you didn't hear yesterday, the start, you're going to need to go back. Yeah, there's no way I can capture it all in one minute or so. But we've got Peter Mutabasi back with us in the studio. Your book is called Now I Am Known, and... That title carries so much significance now after yesterday's story about how you didn't even have a name on the streets of Africa until you were two years old. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, Peter, welcome back. Thank you. Truly joy to be back here. The subtitle is How a Street Kid Turned Foster Dad Found Acceptance and True Worth. So right there, we're like, street kid, now you're a foster dad. So I don't want to get too far ahead, but literally from the streets – Till how old? Ten years old? No, ten years old when you ended up on the streets. Correct. And then, ran away from home. Yeah, just you mean your dad was abusive. You had to find a new life. That, again, that's all we covered all that yesterday. To this remarkable moment when a man that you're getting food from who shops at the market asks your name, mm-hmm. and that man ends up having an incredible impact in your life. So here's where we ended yesterday. He invites you to. To school. Say you want to go to school and there's three meals a day at that school. So you're like, yes, I'm in. (laughs) So now you're at the school. Mm -hmm. At least you're eating. You haven't really gone to school yet. But tell us what happens from there. You know, so, well, yeah, so then, you know, as I said yesterday, that I figured out that the only way to get this food is to go to class. So I started going to class. Um, I didn't know, you know, my behavior as a street kid. I mean, they were the opposite of everything you could imagine in a boarding school. But teachers were really kind in some way that what I did or what I said didn't really affect who I was. They, they still welcomed him in class. Were you suspicious of their kindness? Oh, yes. I mean, everyone, even kids, when they would ask me, can you come and play soccer with us? I'd be like, what do you want? Because yeah. that's what people always did. If you ask me to do something, that means I got to pay in a, some way, somehow. So did you push people away or what was your behavior like? Fighting, uh, flight mode, and don't get to me, you know, stay away. Mm. You know, and, and I think I, you know, as a street kid, I'd been rough in some way. Like you knew how to protect yourself is yeah. fight, physical is all I knew. So if I can hit you before you respond, you know, uh, I'm good. And, and I realized like I can't, I can't do that in school, you know, but I knew how to keep myself away by mm. keeping them, you know, at distance. I Were there any other street kids there or are you alone? No, I was the only one. Only one. You know, I, and, and here's the thing. I never had a pair of shoes ever until that day he took me to school. So you're 14 years old. No, I'm 15 now. 15. 15 with your first pair of shoes. First pair of shoes. I never wear uniform, so I had to wear a uniform. And here's the other strange part. I only had one pair of clothes. Mm. One pair. So now he'd give me a bag of about six pairs of clothes. So you can imagine that like, you have these clothes. And I had I never slept on a mattress until when I went to the boarding school. When I grew up, we slept on the floor. And the oldest, me being the oldest, will sleep at the end. And the second oldest will sleep at the other end so we can keep the little ones warm. Mm. But we didn't have a mattress or blankets. Or if we had, it didn't really cover us the whole night. So being in school, I was given a bank bed and it was, I think, their bath bed. And I, I mean, that's 
threatened me, and I was afraid <laughs> of sleeping. Like there's no way. So for the first month, I slept on the floor. Hmm. And they understood. I was like, I. I've never slept on a bed, and so I'm not comfortable. So they let me sleep on, on the ground because that's what I knew. So, yes, I was rough in every way shape you could think of. So, but once I started going to class, you know, I would get F in everything. But once I would, you know, I would get a D. And then the teachers would say, Peter, that is so awesome that you really did well. Then I'm like, really? But here's what he did. The man who took me in, he introduced me to his family after I'd been in school for three to four months. And for the very first time, now I began to see what a family is. You know, the first time he invited me to his home, I went. And it was lunchtime, it was Sunday. The table set up food. So for me, instead of sitting at the table, I had to look for an exit door. Because mm-hmm. I knew something's about to happen. And if it's bad, I need to know what's my exit strategy. So I did not sit. I just stood by the door and did waited. Did you wonder if he would beat? Well, that's what family? I was waiting for. Yeah. For my dad, we always ate before he came home. If he came home before meal, that meant that meal was going to go thrown away. Or you're going to be beaten with it. We would always eat hiding or make sure that he wasn't there before. So for me to watch a family sit on the dining table and the dad is there. So I'm kind of waiting. Something bad is about to happen. So where's my exit? So I sat there. But then as soon as they started praying, they said, hey, Peter, here's a chair for you on the table. And I hesitated. So he said, no, Peter, come on, you're a guest. Have a seat. And that too made me Really emotional in some way because for the first time he's you in a strange family and they have a table and a chair for you that you've been invited on a table. And that really for me began to like, okay, okay, this, this may be true that nothing wrong is going to happen. But two, just began to see what family is because mm. we ate the whole meal, but there was no fights. There was no one cussing the other. They all ate, they smiled and they talked. And I, and I think by the time I went back to school, I was like, I want that family, you know? <laughs> I want that family. And it, it, it's, it's strange sometimes the examples or the things we show that people had never experienced. You know, I didn't know what family was. And here I was watching it happen. And I'm walking away. I wanted that in my life. Oh, it just reminds me of Jesus has a seat for us at the table. Yes. And he calls us by name. Yes. You know, you're experiencing a little piece of heaven. In, yes, in small increments that I didn't know. Yeah, they were you so know? strange to you. Yes, strange in every shape form you could think of. Like, they can't be. But then it happened the next week, the next week, and that's when I began to realize that, okay, these people are kind, that they really love me. And it wasn't the food. It was the chair that they would let me sit on the no. table. Um uh, and I started doing well in school because the more I had words of affirmation, the more I had words of wisdom uh, towards me, the more I began to believe myself. Like, wait a minute, if they believe that I am, then maybe I am, you know. And they used 12 words of affirmation that I memorize to this day, you know, that you belong, you're chosen, you're a gift to us. Like, some, wait, I'm a gift to you? Are you sure? Peter, you're chosen to be part of our family. Like, wait a minute. All these years, you mean I was chosen to be part of you? And so the more I had this, the more I began, like those wounds began to heal, you know? I mean, it's such a picture of the gospel, the kingdom (laughs) of God inviting us to the table. So you sit there, you eat, you start to excel in school. When did you start to dream? Oh, well, you know, 
maybe a year later, you know, when I started to see, you know, I could get a C, wait a minute, and they could invite me to go stay for the for holidays for three months because now I had something to dream about. I saw his family. I was like, I would love to have the same family. The examples and the attitude towards me really helped me to see the best in myself. And then now I began to excel. Like, if they believe so, then I should get an A, you know. If they believe so, then I should go to the next grade. If they believe so that I'm good, maybe I should go to their home and not feel like I have to sit on the exit door. Small by small, those walls began to crumble. And then I began to see the best that I didn't know because they showed me what the best is. Mm-hmm. And did you end up graduating? Yeah, so I graduated high school and then I got a scholarship to go study at the University of Uganda. So I went to my career university and then I got a scholarship to go study in England. So then I went to England to study and then I went back to Uganda and then I got another scholarship to come to United States. So you see how the kindness of one stranger on how truly, you know, have taken me that far. I can tell you, I am not the smartest guy on the planet, you know, but because they saw the potential, because they believed in me, it really helped me excel. And when did you go back home? So, you know, I loved my mom, you know, uh, so much that I knew she was still going through the same abuse. But I'm the oldest of six boys and one daughter that I wanted to give them the example that had been given. It, it's cool when you see what life should be, what dream means, that you want to also your family to have the same experience that I knew I could not take them away from my family, but at least I can show them how far I had gone that they can do the same. Were you nervous? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was nervous, you know, but I went home more to show my dad, like, you know, you wanted the worst for me, but guess what? Yeah. That did not happen. Uh, so I went with an ego and attitude, I think. <laughs> A little <laughs> you chip know, on your shoulder. Exactly. Like, hey, you thought I'm nothing, but I'm not really nothing in some way. But I think I wanted my mom to know that. I was okay uh, and I was comfortable. So they were a little bit shocked to know that I was just not okay. But I was in school. I was speaking English. I was, I mean, I was, I had clothes. I, I had aspirations. I was, I had dreams. I was excited about You life. were going to go to college. Had anyone gotten as far as you had, even mm. graduating from no, high school? Not, not anyone in my family at all. Take us back to when you and your dad met again for the first time. What was he like toward you? Um, you know, the first time I saw my dad, I think he was really ashamed. I could tell. Like, he didn't say much, you know. And I, I think for me that told me that the shame and the guilt uh, in, in some way. You know, that he didn't say much. He didn't want to see me. I had never sat with my dad and seen him eye to eye ever. Never, never in my life had I ever sit across him. But this time I was able to sit across the table and in some way uh, with pride. And somehow, hey, man to man, you know, I'm not afraid of you. I think that really scared him in some way. And I think him seeing how far I had gone, seeing the potential that others had seen in me, I think brought shame to him. Like, wait a minute, you know? And what about spiritually? What did that look like, that journey? To know Jesus. Oh, to know Jesus. So I had had the gospel every day. Of course, living, you know, they were believers, they loved Jesus. So I had had every day. But I think I struggled with, especially the Lord's Prayer, forgive even those who have wronged against us. To me, I was like, come on, we can forgive people, but there are some we should not. And that includes my dad, you know. I had so much hatred towards him. My plan was to go back home and break his legs. Like I really wanted to put harm and a mark of Here's what you did for me and I can pay back. So that's what I really wanted to do. So for me, the gospel kind of really 
contradicted what I wanted to do. So I did not become a bully, but I acted like one. But inside, I was like, no, I would rather have my dad than be a believer. So during the genocide in Rwanda, my dad is from Rwanda, and my adopted family or foster family asked me if I could go rescue children in Rwanda. By then, he, he worked for Compassion International, and the Compassion was really bringing relief to the kids. So, you know, that's how I got my first job. I was like, sure, I can go. And my first day in Rwanda, I saw more than 2,000 dead bodies. Uh. You know, at 1920, you get to see that. There's no way I thought I could go back, you know. So what happened was I told the driver, I said, look, I know we're going to die, but I know I'm not going to go to heaven. <laughs> and he said, Peter, you walk for compassion. You go to church. You are believe. I said, no, I look like one. I act like one. But I don't know him as my Lord and Savior. I hit my dad with guts that I did not want to know him. And I said, could you pray for me? And so he prayed for me. And um, that's when I became a believer. Because when I saw the dead bodies, I thought, how could people do that to other human beings? But then I looked in my own heart because that's what I wanted to do to my dad. So before I can point a finger to these people who had taken lives, that I knew I was capable of doing so. And at that moment, I think I knew I needed Jesus. I needed to let go of the anger. And it made sense now that he died on the cross for me. That that wasn't my job to do. You know, that wasn't my part to play that I wanted to do so bad. And as soon as I felt that, I felt like I lost 100 pounds. Like, wow, okay. And that's how I became a believer. Wow. So that forgiveness, like by giving your life to Jesus. Did that take away the anger towards your dad or what happened? Yes, it took away the anger, you know, <laughs> because I, at that moment I felt like now I have my future. Now I can dream those dreams that I began to have without letting my dad, not my dad, but the attitude, the anger towards my dad ruin that, that I wanted to do the best I can for me and for those ahead of me without my dad in some way taking it. And I knew the only way to do so was to forgive. Not that I was seeking forgiveness from him, hmm. but for myself that I needed to forgive. And also look at my past not as a bad thing, but use it as a foundation to use it to do good. I would never wish any child to go through, but I don't think I would want to change my life if I could go back. I think I would let it be what it is because it really helped me understand grace, understand mercy, understand forgiveness, you know, in ways that I don't think I would have understood had I had just an easy life. And your life is remarkable with what you're doing now. Yeah, tell, tell what you're doing now. I mean, this foster dad thing, what, what is this? So I was working for Compassion International, you know. So my job was advocating for kids all over the world. But I would go see them in a different country and then come back and sleep in my nice bed, you know. <laughs> and that really did sit well because I felt like there's more I can do, you know, especially for what he done for me. And knowing the kids in the foster care, knowing the numbers, I was like, I want to do something. So I walked in the foster care and I said, hey. Uh, anyway, I can mentor kids, you know, because I knew I'm single. I didn't mention the other, but I was like, I'm not sure you take single men. And, and the lady said, no, you can be. And I said, where's the paperwork? Because I want to sign it now before I leave. <laughs> she gave me the paperwork. Well, four months later, I got my first placement. And I think that really opened the whole dreams that I've always wanted, you know, to change a life for another one in my own family. But I think as a dad, I, I'd always 
long to be a dad, like to show my dad maybe what a father ought to be mm. because I didn't have one and I have always longed to be a dad. And I think that gave me an opportunity to, to be dads to kids who needed a dad, to be dads to kids who grew up like me, to be dads to kids who had the same trauma as a kid that I went through, that I knew I can see from a mile, but at the same time that I was loved unconditionally, that I can do the same for them and for their parents as well. So I thought it 12. And number 12 is the one I adopted. And the way I adopted him, it wasn't like I wanted to. So I had two little siblings. They had left for reunification with their parents. And I was beat. I was like, man, it's really hard to love on these kids and let them go. So I needed a break. I said, I'm going to take three months off. So I told my social worker, I need a month off, three months off. This is on Monday. On Friday, I get a phone call. <laughs> hey, Peter, is that where you could take in a kid? I said, no, I told you. I need three months, you know. But she said, please, this kid is at the hospital, and he just needs just a weekend. Please, just a weekend. I said, okay. I don't want to know anything about him because I didn't want to get attached. So I right. said, I don't want to know anything. You better pick him on Monday. So, well, he came at three in the morning. As soon as he walked in. <laughs> How old was he? Eleven. So he looks at me and I say, my name is Peter Mutabazi, but it's African, it's long. Just call me Mr. Peter. And he looks at me with big eyes. But can I call you my dad? Come on. Yes, Anna, but this is how I replied. Oh, no. That could happen. Exactly. He looked at me like, what? And then he said, but I was told, I'm 11, now I can choose who my father should be. And I want you to be my dad. I still said, no, sir, no. And I said, you're leaving on Monday, so there's no need to call me dad. So this is me. It's funny when, when you ask God to give you something and he gives it to you <laughs> and you say, not today. Oh, but, but oh, you, I mean, this kid is asking for a dad. I'm just there saying, no. So on Monday, they came to pick him up. Since I had signed the paperwork, I was like, now I can know what happened. So I said, what happened? They said, well, he came to the false care at one year and a half. He was placed with a farmer that adopted him at four. And that farmer just dropped him at the hospital and they never told him, why they didn't want him anymore, and why they were giving him back to the state. So this is 11-year-old, and I'm hearing this story, and I'm going back to my own life at 10, mm. and I'm thinking, how? how? Who could do that? You adopt a kid for nine years, and you wake up one day and drop him in the hospital? I mean, I saw my own yeah. life in the flash right there. And I told the social worker, like, look, I think he knew I'll be his dad. And he's already called me dad. So just give me the sticking paperwork. <laughs> really? <laughs> so he gave me papers. I mean, 18 months later, I adopted him as my son, you know. Uh, weird how I did not want to. And I was mad. And, and God had prepared a way uh, for me to be his dad. And so since then, I've had 24 kids. Well, <laughs> today or tomorrow, I might have 26. Uh, <laughs> But it's really been a joy. Right now I have four and we're going through the process of adapting the three. So it's, it's a joy, but I found my calling. Like of all, of all things, you know, I, I found my calling to truly be a dad to the fatherless. To Is be that your first. calling? You're a father to the fatherless? Yes, that's my calling. So it's never going to end. You're going to keep going. Absolutely. And that's why I wrote that book, you know, to make others known. He made me know. I did not have a name. He made my name known. I did not have a place to belong. He made me belong. I did not have faith. He helped me know Christ my Lord and Savior. I didn't, never thought of dreaming in any shape or form. But he's helped me dream places that I never thought I could be. I was hopeless. He gave me hope. And that's why 
this book is all about, to truly give hope to others, to make others known that if I can be the odds of what I went through, anyone can, you know, anyone can uh, through the kindness of those who love us. But too, on the other side that most people who see me at dad, they're like, man, you're, you're a good dad. Well, I'm not sure I'm a good dad, but I had a, someone who showed me what a father ought to be, you know, at a time when I didn't have one, he showed me what our father ought to be. But also, we can't just, our past, yes, is ugly to some of us, but we can use it for good, mm. you know, to know I could have let my dad ruin my future for the rest of my life. But choosing to say, how do I use my past as a foundation to do better and save others has been the best tool, I would say, you know. And I, I wanted to encourage any anyone to say, see your own life and say, how do I use it for good? How do I use it to better myself, but to better others as well? And that's my calling, to make others known. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you need some practical help in your relationship and aren't quite sure where to turn? We offer relationship checkups where you will meet with one of our trained relationship coaches who will help equip you with some new tools while you take a more holistic look at your relationship. For more information, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website families.powertochange.org.au under the Need Help tab and get started today. Have a great weekend and please join us on Monday at the same time for another edition of Family Life Today.